Good morning, New Hope. It's so good to be in the house with you all. And it's so good to know that there's so many of you worshiping with us as well uh, online. We love that you're a part of our church as well. Uh, We're starting a new series today called What is Love? That's exactly right. Baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me. Remember that song? Isn't it great? I love that one. Yeah. And then it's like, remember that? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. You know what comes after that? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What's after that? Yes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's after that? Nobody knows. That's it. That's all of it. That's all. That's the whole song. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Whoa, don't hurt me. I think that sediment holds true. I th- that song was in the top charts for a few years in 1993, globally, globally. Because I think everyone kind of identifies with that idea. What, what's love? Like, I want love, but baby, don't hurt me. That idea of love and don't hurt me comes together. Because we've all been hurt in a relationship. Maybe not romantic relationship, but, but every relationship has potential for hurt or greatness. See, we, we want to love. We desperately want love. Friendships, romance. You wanted a father. You want a child. But because we've been hurt before, because we were taught wrong, because we had a bad example because we were betrayed, but because we were abandoned, because we were were rejected, because the devil came along and took what the Lord gave. Now we keep people from us. We keep people at a distance. It's because love got broken, because of something. We want love, we need love, we desire love. But because of the work of the devil, we keep people far away. Because, baby, don't hurt me. We live in a world that's messed up. It has a distorted view of love, and it's affecting so much about our lives. You may be married and happy while suffering in a relationship someplace else. Maybe a relationship with children or friendships or coworkers or classmates. Or maybe the other way around. We want to experience love in our life with others, but because something happened, we keep Certain types of people at arm's length. Certain relationships only can get so close to us because, baby, don't hurt me. This idea is very spiritual. Let me explain it like this. The the kicker for the whole Bible is this. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. If I have to pick three words to pick to describe the whole, all of God's plans, it's, God is love. If I have to pick one word to describe him, it's love. Everything that God wants to do is because of love. I mean, oh, you could say, oh, no, the gospel, his life, death, resurrection of Jesus. Yes, why'd that happen? Love. Love is why that happened. The gospel exists because of God's love. And Satan wants to destroy that. Satan's plan is to get us to confuse what love is. 
Because if we confuse what love really is, we miss out on God's truth. We miss out on the gospel. We miss out on it. And the consequences are what we see around us happening right now, around us. Messed up relationships. We struggle in relationships. If anybody has all perfect relationships, you either don't have any, or you're you're lying, or you're not thinking about it. We all have a struggle in a relationship somewhere. Maybe friendships. We have messed up romantic relationships. We have messed up relationships with coworkers and classmates. We have messed up relationships with, with neighbors. Satan's plan is to get us to confuse what love really is so we miss out on God's plan for our lives. We all have a struggle with, re- with a relationship, and this is why. Because the devil got involved. It's because of the ploy of Satan. But good news is there's a way out. The Bible points very clearly to a way out. 1 John 3, 8 says, The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So we know what the devil did. He wants to get in it and mess it up. But God came. Jesus came. And his death and resurrection destroys the work of the devil. That means Jesus came to destroy this this confusion of love. God's love has the power to change everything, church. But only if we know what love is. What is love? All right. I'd like to share with you today uh, three things the world thinks love is, and then I'm going to share four things, that we, four things that help us understand what love actually is. So here's the first sermon. Um, three things the world thinks love is. These could be called love misunderstandings. If I could go back in time, I'd probably change this list to love misunderstandings. Here's the first misunderstanding. Number one is lust. Or said differently, sex. You may have heard of phrases like love life or make love. Neither of those phrases is referring to love. It's referring to lust. They're only, those phrases are only talking about sex. That's not, that's not love. That's just one part of love. It's the most primitive, animalistic part of love. It's, it's lust. And, and, and if we think that that's what love is, like that, if that defines love, that's just silly. That's like saying, that's like saying this state-of-the-art smartphone. Like it has the word phone in it. Why? Like, like if, if you really thought it was a phone, you'd pick up when I call you. But, but, you, but you just wait for me to, to leave a message so you can text me back. To say that this thing can only exist for phone, that's like the most primitive thing that this thing can do. Like I can check my emails on this. I can send a text message on this. It is a biofeedback health tracking device. It is my newspaper. It replaced a CD player. It's, gosh, I made a list. What else can it do? It's a television. It's a gaming system. It's a camera, a better one than I had before. I can order my groceries and have them delivered to my house. I use it to help me read my Bible. I use it to help me pray. I use it this afternoon. I'll look and see what my kids learned in in Sunday school, and I'll be able to ask them questions on it because of the Parent Q app. I use it to stay in touch with my small group at church. I can use it to book a hotel. I can use it to book a flight. I can use it to, like, if I'm in a city, I can walk outside and be like, I want a car here. Oh, hey. I can use this thing for anything. And to say, this exists to make a phone call. 
Like, that's the only thing it can do? That, that's how silly it is to say that love is lust. That's the most, it's like this little tangy part. Here's the problem with the idea of lust. When love is lust, then when the attraction wears off, or once we get what we want, we forget all about love. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. So that's why I say lust is a love misunderstanding. Here's the second uh, love misunderstanding. Uh, I'm giving you three things the world thinks love is. Number two is like. We think love is like. I'm sure you're, you're like me. We say love a little bit too often. We say love when we really mean like. I'm not intending to pick on our language, but like, I love coffee, or I love that lotion. I love the smell of my car. I love cats. Not me. <laughs> Maybe that's you, and if that's you, just, you can feel validated. I heard you. I heard you. I think you're crazy, but I heard you. Or I love salsa grill. No, you don't. You just like them a lot. Like, like you don't love coffee. <laughs> you don't love coffee. You, you just like it a lot. That, that's what that really means. Love is the, is the easiest way in the English language to convey a strong like. I, I really love it. No, you don't. I'm not trying to speak, pick, on, pick on our speaking. I do it too. I love potatoes. I love candy. I love chocolate. I love potato chips. I love pretzels. I love white chocolate covered pretzels. Why do all my examples have to do with food? I would love it if you didn't ask me that. <laughs> we say this, but it's important for us to realize that, that, we, we don't, that we're not actually talking about love. It's, I like it a lot. You see, I, I still love potatoes. They used to be my favorite food, interestingly. But somehow that kind of shifted. My new favorite food are tortillas, Fl flour tortillas. That is my favorite food. Isn't that a dumb favorite food? But whatever. I love tortillas. It doesn't have to have anything in it. <laughs> it can. That's even better. Just I love flour tortillas. And that's the problem with love being like. The problem is if, is if love is like, then when taste buds change or something comes along that's a little bit shinier, a little bit nicer, something we like a little more, we stopped loving. Love is not like. That's a, lo that's a love misunderstanding. That's something the world thinks love is. Here, let me give you the third one. The third love misunderstanding is a feeling. This is the idea that love is supposed to feel good. This idea says that if it feels good, it must be love. It's all about instant gratification. It's not just sexual here that I'm talking about. If we aren't careful, we'll apply this idea that love is always supposed to feel good to other things. We could say it right now. I love my job. Well, what about when your boss asks you to do something that, you know, is inconvenient? Do you still love your job? I love or I feel love. In my marriage, is that only because it's going well? I love or I feel love towards, towards my boyfriend. 
it will affect, if, if love is a feeling, that will affect your church choice. If you think the church where you worship should always make you feel good. If you think that, you're going to fall right out of the church the moment you start to grow. Because you can't grow without some pain. It never happens. So the moment you start to grow, you're going to hurt. Oh, I don't feel good. I must not love it anymore. You'll never grow. You'll never grow. And you try out every church. You can go do the, the cycles. We're wrong when we equate difficult with a lack of love. That is just not, not true. Proverbs says, uh, my paraphrase, uh, a father that loves his kids will discipline them. Sometimes love doesn't feel good. Sometimes it feels like a spank. Sometimes it feels like a grounding. Sometimes it feels like a detention. Sometimes that's what love is, and nobody feels good then. But that's the essence of love. It's the essence of love. The problem with love being a feeling is that every relationship will be lacking in your life if you think that love is a feeling because that feeling will go away and then you'll think love is gone. It's not a feeling. All three, love, life, like, and a feeling, these are all counterfeits of what love could and should be. They're counterfeits of what God has designed. So what is love? Let's look no further than the Bible, which points to Jesus. God is love. So that's three love misunderstandings. Can I give us four love understandings? In the Greek language, there's, there's four words I want to mention. These are four different kinds of love that are used in, in ancient Greek. It can help us understand maybe how, how love could be understood a little differently. Um, see, English only has one word for love, love. And because we only have one word for love, we wind up with predicaments like, like saying, I love coffee, when we all know you don't actually love coffee. That, it's just the only word we have to, to convey a strong emotion. But ancient Greek has more than four, but four that we're going to look at today. All four of these words have overlap in meaning. They do have overlap in meaning, but they also have some distinction and special use. So I'd like to share with you four, four different kinds of love in Greek. The first is this, phileo. Phileo love is friendship love or brotherly love. Our words philanthropy and Philadelphia come from the word phileo. Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. This interesting. This is not to be confused. Of, like there's this other kind of love that's like when a carp falls in love with a bluegill. That's called phileo fish. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about today. Talk about phileo, friendship love. This kind of love comes from shared experiences. You have shared experiences, you're going to grow in phileo love. Uh, I had a friend in elementary school. Uh, I went to a small elementary, Waterloo, and, and so I had like the same, same group of friends for six years of my life. And after that, I remember one friend in particular, like we, we sat across from each other at lunch every day in the fifth grade, and then sixth grade came along, and I just, like, I never saw him. And up until graduation, I said hi a couple times, and then we went to the colleges, and we went on to, I just, we, we kind of drifted apart a little bit. So that's a uniqueness about phileo love. You, you can drift a little bit in phileo. Um, but when his dad died, uh, I showed up. Come on. I, re- I still love the guy. Yep. We, had a, we had some shared experiences. 
my, uh, my son somehow found a YouTube video of this really old, old gaming system that actually is found in museums now. Let me tell you, when your childhood toys are found in children's museums, oh, it doesn't get worse. My mom says it gets worse. Like, oh my goodness, I'm getting old. So my son learned that there was an existence of a Nintendo 64. And that one, that's the, yeah, it goes older than that. And he says, Dad, did you, did you ever hear of a 64 Nintendo? I was like, yeah, kid, I, I, I had one. He's like, wow, you're so old. Can I play it, Dad? I was like, sure. I wouldn't mind if I found it in a closet and pulled it out of a box, and the thing still works. You know, I had to, I had to blow in the cartridge. But I was able to fire up an old Nintendo 64 video game and play it with my son. And the moment I did that, I had memories of my bros coming up. And we would plug in the other, the other uh, like everyone would come over and they would bring their own N- Nintendo remotes. This is the first gaming system, I think, that could do more than two. And so they'd plug in three and four. And we'd have like four players and we'd be playing at the same time. I remember those friendships I had that were built over a shared experience. Me and my bros, we had these, the shared experience with each other. That's phileo love. A biblical example could be the 12 disciples towards each other or, uh, or David and Jonathan as well. Boy, they, they loved each other like brothers. That's phileo. Here's the second one I'll share with you. Number two is storge. Storge love. Storge love is family love. This is typified by the love that a mother has for her newborn child. What would cause a normal human being when they hear the sound of vomit and heaving to run towards it, (laughs) not away from it? Storge. What would cause a normal thinking human being to smell a dirty diaper? And wake up in the middle of the night to fix the situation. Storge. Storge is why. That's why. Because of love. Because of love. I heard one person say, I hate kids. I love mine. I just hate everyone else's. That's Storge. That's Storge. A biblical example would be Noah. He loved his family. Another one might be uh, Mary and Martha Storgade Lazarus. Let me give you the third kind of biblical love we could see in the Bible. Eros. Eros. This is sexual love. This is where the word, our word in English, erotic, comes from this Greek word, eros. This is love that can be shared between a man and a woman in a marriage. And it's stimulated by our senses. We see this in the Bible in the book of Song of Solomon, um, verse after verse. I'd put some verses up, but you'd, you'd all blush, so I'll just not. God has a sacred, special plan for this kind of love, and it is good. Here's the fourth kind of love. It's agape. Agape love. This is love without conditions. These are four Greek words that help us understand love a little more. And there's agape love, which is love without conditions. It goes beyond emotion. You don't 
If you stop feeling, like, like I feel like I'm in love, so I, I agape, and then I don't feel it anymore, and that doesn't change nothing. It goes beyond emotion. It goes beyond feelings. It goes beyond shared experiences like phileo. I can phileo you a little less if we don't, haven't talked in a while. But I can't as easily agape you less. Agape love is an act of the will to choose. You choose to agape love. You choose it, regardless of what happens. It goes against logic. Agape love is a kind of love where if you come up and punch me in the face, it changes not how I feel. It changes not my decision to love. That's love without conditions. That's hard. I would have a very difficult time continuing to feel good about you if you punched me in the face. <laughs> but this is the love that God has for us. Agape is used in the Bible to describe God's love for his people. John 3:16. For God so agape loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Or another, another place that it's used is Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own agape love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you punch me, I can keep right on loving you. While we we're still sinners, he kept right on loving, knowing full well our sin and rejection of him. He continued to love and died on the cross for us. That's God's love. Think of that. While we were running away, it didn't matter. He still made an act of his will and chose to die for us, even though we did not deserve it. That's impressive. Frankly, that's some impressive love right there. Doesn't it feel nice to know that we're loved that much? It's kind of a cozy feeling. I'm loved. You may not have been loved by other people in your life. You may have been rejected by other people in your life. You can feel nice and cozy knowing that God loved you. Let me ruin some of that cozy feeling. 1 John 4.11, dear friends, since God so agaped you, we also ought to agape love one another. That's the Greek words that were used. Since God loved unconditionally to us, we also ought to love without conditions one another. That's a little bit less of a cozy feeling because it's difficult. It's, it's a choice. It's, it feels, I like agape love when it was God's choice to choose to love me. But I don't like agape love when I have to do it. The people that are, I mean, some people are boneheads. None of you. I'm talking people that drive on the road. Still supposed to agape love them. Another way to interpret that verse in First John is, is you can't love other people unless you receive the love of the Father first. We love because he loved us. So if you want to love other people, you got to receive the love of the Father. You have to receive agape love. Agape loving other people is easier when you've received it. I, in fact, I, I think maybe it's only possible if you receive it. It's easy for me to forgive somebody I've received forgiveness. It's very difficult to forgive someone if you've not received forgiveness. 
But if I receive agape love, I can give agape love. So we're going to look at a passage about love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. You're all waiting for it. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. I think a lot of us uh, have heard this passage, but I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to go very slowly through it because I don't want you to blow it over. Like, oh, yeah, I've heard this at the last wedding I was at. Let's slow down. I'm going to take each phrase one at a time. I want you to think about every relationship you've got. Your romantic relationships, your friendships, your family, your boss, your coworkers, your classmates. Think about your relationships. And let's line the truth of our relationships up against what God says his people should love like. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Starts out, love is patient. Love is patient. This word can be translated long-suffering. Love is long-suffering. That means you're willing to suffer for a long time. To act redemptively. It's a quality that does not seek revenge, but suffers wrong in order to act in a redemptive way. Love is kind. It's the opposite of harsh, sharp, or bitter. Are you ever harsh, sharp, or bitter in your relationships? Just think about that. It does not envy. It does not envy. So so that means if you're loving with agape love and, and someone gets a promotion... Or someone tells you, hey, I'm taking a vacation. You'll be happy for them. Yes. Not envious. Yeah, oh, church, if you, can't, if you can't do that, if you can't do that, you need to get in the freedom group. We have, I, th- I think, one more spot for ladies. Maybe not. It might be filled up by now. And we have several spots left f- for guys. You need to get in a freedom group. It'll change your life. It'll change the course of your future. Yeah. Love does not boast not pushing ourselves out to the front to get more attention, but being being willing to serve and prefer others ahead of ourselves. Does not boast it. It is not proud. It's not puffed up and arrogant. Does not dishonor others. This refers to acting indecently or rudely towards others. Maybe it applies to Facebook comments or not not pleasure-seeking. It is not self-seeking. It's not worried about what other people do for us. What, what, what can you do for me? That's not love. Agape love doesn't get easily angered when people who don't do things for us, when we want them to. It's not easily angered. Love refuses to become irritated and provoked and offended by silly things. Agape love doesn't flip out when your spouse loads the dishwasher wrong. She's not here to defend herself. So I'll stop. Love keeps no record of wrongs. The Greek words used for no record of wrongs, it's actually an accounting term. Uh, love doesn't reckon up having to keep everything balanced. Oh, you did this, so I'm going to do this back. That's not, that's not agape love. Love can forgive easily. Agape love can, can forgive easily. Doesn't have to hang on to things. And not just forgive easily, but forgive all the way. You know, there's a difference. Like, oh, I'm over that. Oh, clearly you're not. You ever wanted to say that to somebody? 
that's not bugging me anymore. Oh, clearly it is. Agape love can, can help us forgive all the way. If you struggle with that, get in a freedom group. Please, get in a freedom group. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love is looking for the truth, trying to find truth. The opposite of that would be a numbness to truth or, or a disregard for what's true. Love always protects. It's not exposing others or throwing somebody else under the bus. Well, we can avoid any, any conflict. We'll guard. It always trusts. That doesn't mean to be gullible. But trust is, is faith in God and Jesus. This is trust in God and in God. There's nothing. Nothing can shatter right. in God. Right. The opposite of that is we don't trust anyone at all, leaving us isolated, which would leave us feeling hopeless. Love always hopes. Not trusting leaves us doubting a lot of things. Love always perseveres. Agape love doesn't put conditions on someone to keep, you love, keep your love. I'll love you if, you if you love me, then you will. That doesn't, that's not agape love. It always perseveres, and, and love never stops trying. It doesn't stop when it's difficult or stop when it's no longer fun. Anyone feel convicted? Anyone, feel, anyone realize that you have at least one relationship that's not perfect? I hope that's all of us. That doesn't mean to quit. That doesn't mean there is no love. That just means we have work to do. All, all that means is, like, you're not Jesus. Even Jesus struggled. Um, he found it difficult. He said, he said uh, to me, he said, if it's possible, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He, that, it was hard, but he did it. He did it. Would you stand with me? We may have some work to do. What is love? God is love. What is love? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What is love? It's, it's in what Jesus did. It's in what Jesus died for us. If you've never experienced some agape love, let me tell you about the love that Jesus has for you. When, when we were separated from God, that started at birth. That's just how how humans are, separated from God. While we were yet sinners, he loved us. And although we deserve to die, we de deserve separation from God for all of our life, he died for us in our place. And if we look to him and, and receive the love of the sacrifice on the cross that Jesus did for us, we can have eternal life and we can be with him like he wants it. That's what he wanted to begin with. That's you. You can make that decision today. It's as simple as admitting that you're a sinner. Like, yeah, I'm separated from God. I'm not, I'm not all right. 
and believing what Jesus did for us, that he died for you, and that his, his death is enough to cover your sin. And then you make him the Lord of your life. If you want to make that decision, it's that simple. You just decide. You put your feet towards Jesus and start going. Let me pray for all of us. Lord, I pray that we would all receive more of your love, even for the first time. Lord, we renew our hearts to loving the people around us the way you've loved us. Lord, we, re- re- we repent of, of not loving people the way we should have. And Lord, we're going to start this process by forgiving the people who don't love us the way they should have. They don't know. Lord, help us love people around us in a deeper way because we receive your love. It's who you are. You are love. So we want to receive more of you. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.